0: Welcome to the Grace Monroe podcast. We are a community of Jesus followers located in Monroe, Georgia, that exists to pursue God's heart for the restoration of all things. For more information about our church, visit graceformonroe.com. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoy this week's message. Welcome to Grace. Good morning. We're glad that you are here. You're going to want a Bible this morning, and uh, it has been the tradition of Grace Churches uh, all over the place that, you know, on Sunday mornings we gather and we do two things. We worship together and we open the Word together. And so it's been a little while uh, since uh, approximately March 13th last year that I've been able to say this, but if you need a Bible, you slip up your hand, and we would love to put a Bible in your hand. We. Consider this, the best thing that we can put in front of you is the Word of God. And and not so much anything I have to say up here, but so much what God wants to be speaking uniquely to you. So if you have a Bible, go on and open it up to Luke chapter 9. If you need a Bible, slip up a hand. We will get a Bible to you, a sanitized, brand new Bible just for you. So as we began, you know, in a couple weeks, we will be celebrating Easter, praise the Lord, along with uh, the rest of the world, we gather and celebrate Jesus Christ, the risen King and Lord. And so uh, it's going to be a fun celebration. I am just curious, as we are planning this, we do need to know if you're going to come celebrate (laughs) Easter with us. Um, And if you're not, cool, there's lots of great churches out there, but I hope you'll come join us. Uh, And uh, I'm just curious, if you... If you're planning on coming, I'm about to mess up the slip of your hand thing, by the way, Tom, sorry. If you're planning on coming to the 7 a.m. sunrise service, just a show of hands. It'll be a bit small little intimate gathering. Just raise your hand just so we can have a sense. Awesome. That's going to be great. Okay, if you're going to be at the 9 a.m. indoor service in here, just how I many, are y'all, any y'all planning on coming to that? It's going to be like three of us here for that. And then how about the 11 a.m. big party on the lawn? Who, and, and, okay, so there are going to be a few people there for that one. All right, this is what I need you to do. Yeah, everyone needs a Bible. Amen. <laughs> so right now, if yeah, now slip up your hand if you need a Bible. Yeah. Uh, it's a couple of things, Brandon said this already. On your way out the door, you'll see these postcards. Uh, it's a great opportunity. Invite friends, neighbors, uh, bring them to experience who Grace is and to celebrate Jesus uh, together. But then on that card, there's also a little QR code. You can scan that with your camera even right now. And just let us know if you're coming. And that's going to help us a ton because we are preparing lunch for after that 11 a.m. service. We're smoking some, some shoulders. We're going to have hot dogs and, and inflatables for kids and all kinds of fun stuff. But we do kind of need to know uh, how much to expect uh, as well as for those other two gatherings. So please, this week, go on and let us know. And also, if you could, go on and, uh, and invite your friends, your neighbors, and have them join us for what's going to be a great Sunday. So, quick question. You got a little piece of paper in front of you. I want you to jot down for me, on that piece of paper, between you and the Lord, no one's going to see this, the 10 most influential sermons you've ever heard. I'm expecting nine of them to at least be, I'm just kidding. Over the course of your life, seriously, just think about it. 10 most influential sermons. I mean, that changed the course of your life. You, You heard it. I'll tell you a couple. For me, one, I remember when I was in youth group, Greg Boone, who was my youth group leader, uh, preached a message called to hell with your friends. And uh, which I thought as a middle school kid, I was like, wow, you know, but, uh, but the point was amazing. It was like basically saying, it's like, are you letting your friends know about Jesus? Are, are you living your faith at your school? Because if you're not, you're basically saying to hell with your friends. Never forgotten that one. I also remember, and I hope there's not a lot of kids in here, uh, <laughs> because the sermons I remember are not. Anyway, when I was in college in uh, Baptist Student Union, or we were at BSU, was what we called it, and, uh, and Tony Campolo, he's this amazing evangelist preacher, uh, social activist out of Philadelphia. He's written some amazing books, but Tony Campolo came and spoke to our uh, to the school and. And so we, uh, and I remember him saying, talking to us and saying, uh, you realize that right now there are millions of people who are dying who don't know that Jesus loves them. And, uh, and he paused and he goes, and the, the thing that breaks my heart is that most of you don't give a, boop, drop the F-bomb, bunch of little Baptist kids sitting there and they're like, we don't cuss, we don't smoke, we don't, go with girls that do, you know, I mean, like, we don't know how to handle this. Did he really just, the Tony Campolo just drop the F-bomb at Furman at the BSU gathering, and, uh, and he paused, and then he goes, and what's even worse is that more of you are concerned about the fact that I just said, boop, than that I just told you millions of people are dying without knowing the love of Jesus. Woo! What about a punch to the gut, you know? So I remember that one. Uh, <laughs> I remember Buddy saying once uh, that he put a hat on at, at Grace Novel, and, uh, and he goes, this bothers some of you, doesn't it? And, some of, you, and, like, and I, because some of you are thinking, you shouldn't be wearing a hat in church. And he goes, I've got news for you. I'm not wearing a hat in church. I'm wearing a hat on the church. And when I leave this building, the hat goes with it. And I remember that redefining for me what it meant to actually be church and come to church and go to church. I remember those. What are yours? I I mean, you don't have to say them out loud. But just, you know, the the 10 most influential sermons, right? You probably, maybe a couple coming to mind. Here's the real question. Write down the 10 most influential people that have changed your life. The 10 people that had the biggest impact on you. Now, I guarantee it is way easier and faster to come up with that list than to come up with the first list, isn't it? Amen? Because relationships matter. Relationships matter. We have a relational God that chose to take on flesh and move into the neighborhood, that called a community of people around him, that shared his life and then gave up his life so that we could be back in relationship with the God of this universe. We're relational people. We're created to live in relationships. And it's relationships that impact our lives. And yet so often we can get in the mindset that what people need is they need to get this certain message. Or if I could just get them to church to hear that sermon or what. It's like, I mean, that may work. And for some of you that may have changed your life. But what changes our lives are people. God working through people. We've been... Uh, in this restored journey for the last several weeks, looking at what does it mean, these marks, these eight marks of a disciple. And these different ways that Jesus is shaping us and forming us into his people. We've been learning about how God is inviting us to be receptive to his voice, to calling us to become equipped in his word. So that we can walk secure, confident in our unique kingdom identity and giftings and passions. And then we find as we begin to mature in Christ, receptive to his voice saturated equipped by his word confident in our identity and calling we begin to see that the spirit is transforming every area of our life conforming us more and more into the image of jesus so that we can begin to live open lives generous towards our neighbor and towards god's mission open-handed open homes open hearts and that God, in that space, invites us into real, authentic relationships with others in my life. And Today, we're going to make a shift, a, a turn, sort of, in this journey of discipleship. And the, Up to this point, so much of it has been about what God is doing in us. How God is shaping and forming us, tuning us into his voice, and, and beginning to, to, to transform our hearts to reflect his heart, But the end he has in mind isn't just simply what he wants to do in us. It's what he wants to do through us. That we are blessed to be a blessing. We are transformed to be transforming agents in this world. We are part of God's restoration mission so that we can take part in God's restoration mission. And so that second E, E in our restored acronym is engaged. Engaged purposefully on mission in my unique kingdom context. Purposefully on mission. God is inviting you into his work in this world. So I want to look at Luke chapter 9 this morning. When we see this same shift in the journey take place in the heart of these disciples. Remember at the beginning of Luke, Jesus announced his kingdom mission that, that using those words out of Isaiah that have become sort of a rally cry for our church, that I've come to bind up the broken-hearted, set the captives free, give sight to the blind. To proclaim the good news, the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus announcing that this scripture is fulfilled right in front of you. The kingdom is at hand. God's reality breaking in to our everyday world. And so Jesus then, after making that announcement, gathers a group of guys and some and some gals that start to, to follow after him and begin to watch the way that the kingdom isn't just something he proclaims, it is something that he embodies and lives. And so he walks around and he and he heals the sick and, and he cleanses the leper and he gives sight to the blind and and he brings belonging to the brokenhearted and the lonely and he forgives the sin of the shamed and the guilty. He does the things only God can do. And the whole time, this group of guys and girls all around him, sharing meals with him, asking him questions as they walk down the road. They're watching Jesus, God in the flesh, do the things only God can do because the kingdom of God is at hand. And then this amazing moment. Luke chapter 9. Jesus calls those 12 together who've been watching him day after day. And he gave them power and authority to do what? To do the exact same things he's been doing. To drive out the demons, to cure diseases. He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for this journey. You don't need a staff, a bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town and if people don't welcome you, shake the dust off your feet. And when you leave their town, is a testimony against them. So they set out. And they went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. So what do we see in this? We see Jesus giving them power and authority. The right and the ability to operate in the things of God. See, the reality is is that our world lives disconnected from their creator. That great old phrase that we all have a God-sized hole in our hearts that nothing in this world can fill because we were created to live an intimate relationship with the creator of this universe to be known, fully known, and to be fully loved. And we can spend the rest of our lives trying to fill our lives with all kinds of busyness and distractions and accomplishments and achievements and stuff, possessions, money, all kinds of fun and entertainment. And at the end of it all, we're gonna be like Solomon in Ecclesiastes, meaningless, meaningless. It is dust in the wind because it doesn't fill this aching void And you you know that, right? You've been there. Some of you may still be there. When you lay alone at night trying to fall asleep and the anxieties of this world are crushing down on you, you know what it's like to feel lonely, to feel lost, stuck, struggling, shamed, guilty. You know that feeling. We all do because we're humans and we live in a broken world. Some of you found yourself face down at the bottom of a pit. Wondering, where do I go from here? Some of you have hit rock bottom and then found out that you're only halfway down. You know what it means to be lost. But as some of you, many of you, looking at your faces, I know your stories. You met Jesus. And it changed everything. All of a sudden all this guilt you've been carrying? You encounter Jesus who looks at you, knows you, sees all of it and says, I love you, and you received the forgiveness of his grace? Three that felt like your life had no meaning or purpose. Jesus pulled you aside and said, no, 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 no. Man, I got a calling for your life. I've put some things in you to do and to be, and I'm not gonna give up on you until we get there. Some of you have... Felt lonely and scared and you met Jesus who even in your grief or even in your brokenness, even if there's still no one around you, all of a sudden there's a presence of God that is with you, that reminds you, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I love you. You met Jesus and it changed everything. But we live in a world. We are surrounded by people that don't know that, that are hurting, and they are scared, and they are struggling, and they are stuck, they think they're stuck, and they're ashamed, and they're guilty, they're grieving, they need Jesus. I mean, we need jesus for hope when we're dying and we need jesus for purpose when we're living we need jesus for comfort when we're grieving we need jesus for grace when we're struggling we need jesus and maybe just this morning you see remember man remember your own story Remember the places that you've been lost. Remember the times that God has spoken to your heart. I remember seventh grade for me, being feeling so small and bullied and alone. And this guy walks in, Greg, of the To Hell With Your Friends sermon fame. Starts hanging out with me and my friends. I give you the title of one of Greg Boone's sermons. But what I do know, there's a lot I forgot, or just didn't pay attention to, is that he stuck with me and my group of friends. And he introduced me to Jesus, and I remember kneeling down on the on a hilltop at Lookup Lodge for my eighth grade before eighth grade and praying with Greg to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, to receive his forgiveness to receive his love and his Holy Spirit, and it changed everything. I know that Greg stuck with me through a few years when I was a total idiot and didn't quite walk in the ways that Jesus probably wanted me to walk. And Greg stood next to me as I said I do to Sadie. It changed my life. And sometimes I think I forget those moments of what that fresh love for Jesus and that discovery. And what's amazing is not just simply Jesus finding me as this lost middle school kid, but then I can remember a few years later I had the opportunity to go overseas for the first time, and I was in Africa and. Uh, my uncle and aunt had gone over there and invited me to come with them for a few months, and they'd send me out to go live with different missionary families for a few weeks at a time. I mean, it was just absolutely amazing. I'd never been out of, most, really, the eastern seaboard before, and here I am overseas. It was just incredible. And I remember towards the end of the trip, we were staying in this place called the Sukumi Tree Lodge. And uh, it was basically tree, these huts built up in the tree overlooking this watering hole. And, and it was sunset, and I was out there by myself, and, and as the sun was setting, I'm watching. I mean, look, it was a scene from National Geographic. I'm just watching these different animal groups come to the watering hole to drink. I mean, beautiful, absolutely beautiful moment. And, and I remember I prayed, and I said, God, listen, if you want to call me overseas, now would be a great time to do it. So I'm pretty sure being a missionary in Africa is like that all the time, right? National Geographic moments, beautiful sunsets. But I can also remember clear as day, I felt like God spoke into my heart. He said, I am calling you to the mission field, but the mission field I'm calling you to is the American high school campus. So I went back and uh, got involved in this organization called Young Life and started hanging out with kids. And Many of you know this story, but... I'll repeat it. It's part of my story. One of the first years I was doing Young Life at Parkview High School, I walked up to the student section of the football game, and in the middle of the crowd was this punk kid high as a kite, but it was like everyone gravitated around him. He was like the center of attention, and I still remember having the thought, that kid's either going to end up in prison or he's going to change the world. Well, praise the Lord, a few years later, that kid met Jesus, this kid named Matt few years after that, Matt ends up becoming the pastor at Grace Midtown. Yesterday, I got to go to, uh, I was in Missouri, Um, you know, because that's just what you do on a Saturday. (laughs) There's a church up there, and uh, there's a church that that is called Westside in a little town called Poplar Bluff, and uh, it's a town that really is very, very similar to Monroe, And, and the pastor up there had met Matt, a guy named Jason, and, and met Matt and, uh, and heard about what was happening with Grace and the Grace family of churches, and, and he's pastoring this church, a lot of cool stuff happening in this town, but he feels really alone, and so he's, uh, he's looking to possibly bring their church to come be a part of the Grace family of churches, and so they wanted me to go out because Monroe's similar to Poplar Bluff and meet this guy and all this kind of stuff, but I remember I was sitting in the back of the room, and, and Matt the high as a kite kid from the Parkview student section uh, was up front talking about his story and how Jesus grabbed his heart and his life and changed everything. And now here he is talking to another church leader about what it means to lead a movement of churches. And what I thought about was, thank you, Jesus, for Greg Boone that decided to spend some time with some punk seventh grade kids. I don't know what God has for your life. And there's no way for you to even begin to guess. But what I do know is this, God's heart for you is to transform your heart into his heart. His invitation for you is to hear his voice and to walk with him. And his call for you is to engage this world around you with his love. There are people right now that God has intentionally positioned in your world, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, on your kids' soccer team, that your story matters to them. What Jesus has done in your life, Jesus wants to do in their life. There are people whose marriages are struggling and they're about to give up. There are people that feel at the end of their rope and don't know where to go. And they need Jesus. And those of you that have had those encounters with Jesus, Jesus is calling your name and he's saying, come on, come with me, jump into this. I've given you just like the 12, I've given you the power and the authority, the ability and the right to engage in the things of God. So get in the game. And there are many of you that right now, what you're thinking is, but I'm not quite ready yet. I need to know a few more things. I need to know the Bible better. I, I need to be praying more. I need to get rid of the, some junk in my life, and which is probably true. But it's kind of like saying like, you know, I, I wanna play baseball. So before I get, start playing baseball, I really need to read some more books about baseball Maybe read some biographies about you know Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth. And if, in fact, you know what? I'll I'll start playing when I've I've read a book about baseball for at least 30 minutes a day every day for six months. Then I'll be ready to play. That's absurd, isn't it? How do you play baseball? You get out there and play. And God's inviting you into this mission, and I guarantee the moment that you go out on the field and start playing, then all of a sudden that book that's giving you some pointers on how to throw a curveball really matters. And all of a sudden, the stories about the guys that have played before you, all of a sudden they become a lot more interesting. Until then, it's just mechanics and dead guys. Now it matters. I remember going to Young Life when we first were on staff, and because of some weird stuff, and I wasn't able to be a part of the training class for interns, Uh, every summer they send all of the new interns across the country to two weeks of new staff training. And so I didn't go that first summer, so I spent a year on staff, and then I went the next summer. And I'm with everyone else in my training class, most of them had just graduated from college, none of them have been on staff yet, they're brand new to this thing. And I can remember sitting in the room as different speakers and teachers are talking and doing trainings and talking about how do you engage kids? How do you talk to parents? What do you do when a kid says that I want to end my life? What do you do when there's a tragedy at the school? And, and I'm just, I mean, taking every note I can. I, I'm just soaking it in. And I remember thinking, I'm looking around and thinking, why is no one else paying any attention to this? Like This is really important, you, you need to get this. Why weren't they paying attention? Because they hadn't done it yet. They didn't know how important it was. They hadn't gotten to a point when they're sitting with a kid who asks you this question and you're going, I don't, I don't know. Or a parent gets mad and calls you and wonders why. I don't, what do you do? Or you get a call from the school and because somebody's just lost a parent. And, and now you're driving up, scared to death, sitting in the parking lot being like, I got nothing to offer. You want to get excited about Jesus? You want your faith to become real? Get in the game. Go talk to your neighbor. Invite your coworker to coffee. So, how do we do this? And I want to give you a little diagram, Dave Rhodes style. If you were here last week, it was great. It was, I listened to the his teaching last week—he's unbelievable. And so I figured, you know what? If he uses a dry erase board, I'm going to use a dry erase board. <laughs> so here's a way to begin thinking about it. I just want to give you some tools. And you're going, "Oh, okay, I want to. Where do I start? What does this look like? What do I do?" And so, it's uh, so on your sermon notes. I think there's somewhere you can write this. Draw yourself just a little triangle. Rhodes is a much better drawer. That's why he always does quadrants. You can't mess that up, can you? We call this the, the discipleship pyramid. It's just a journey of how Jesus takes most of us uh, into relationship and on to mission with him. And so in this bottom area of the pyramid, just write the word distracted. Distracted. Which describes most of this world. Spiritually distracted. What we used to say with that, uh, the word we would use was disinterested. Spiritually disinterested, that most people just don't care. They don't care about God. They don't care about Jesus. They don't care about spiritual things. But then we realize it's actually not true. I don't think most people don't care. I think most people just don't know. And their life is just filled with so much noise and distraction and busyness and pain and struggle, and they're just trying to survive. They're just trying to make it, they're distracted. So, the question is, how do we get the distracted people that we're surrounded by, that Walton County is full of, that your workplaces and neighborhoods, maybe even your own families are filled with? They may even go to church on Sunday, but Jesus has no relevance to the rest of their life. They're distracted. How do distracted people become attracted, spiritually interested? I'm going to fill this in because the goal isn't just simply that they'd be spiritually interested, right? We want them eventually to meet Jesus. We want people that are beginning to ask questions to place their faith in Christ, to receive the forgiveness of sins, to be filled by the Holy Spirit. We want people to become believers in the kingdom, surrendering their life to Christ as their Lord and Savior. But not just simply do we want them to have a moment of receiving Christ and and forgiveness and grace. We want them to learn how to walk with Jesus, to follow Jesus in every area of their life. This restored acronym that we've been talking about. We want people to become disciples, followers of Jesus. Their life being shaped and formed by him and his ways. But then, as we've been talking about this morning... Not just simply learning from Jesus and walking with Jesus, but being engaged with Jesus on his mission. We want disciples to become disciple makers. And re-engage the world, this distracted world, and lead other people through this journey of discovery with Jesus. But what we found this interesting is, For most people, to move from distracted to attracted is primarily about what? Relationships. So it's less about the guy with the bullhorn at the Georgia game and more about who you invite over for barbecue in your backyard. Again. Think about your own story. Ten most influential sermons.. Ugh. 10 most influential people. It's about relationships. Now, at some point, that relationship, you have to cross that bridge of friendship with the gospel. so moving from attracted to believer is about message. At some point we share our faith, the story of Christ, that there is a good God that created this world, but because of our rebellion, called sin, we are separated from, uh, from him. But that God did not give up on us, but sent his only son, Jesus, God in the flesh to die the death that we deserved, who went to the cross, whose blood was shed so that we could be forgiven. But then as we'll celebrate in two weeks, rose again three days later, defeating sin and death on the cross so that we could be invited into a new life in relationship the God of this universe, and he gives us the gift of his Holy Spirit, his presence inside of us, that we can walk with God every day of our life, and for the hope, the promise of eternal life, that death no longer has any bearing on the way that we live. Can you share that message? Who are your friends that need to hear that message? That they are known and they are loved, and there's a God that invites them and them into relationship with Him. But then again, as it goes from message, I mean, from believer to disciple, it, it shifts again and again. And then now, to begin to learn how to follow Jesus, becomes primarily again about relationship. For those of you that watched that Grace documentary, the story I told about sitting with Buddy after he had invited me and my best friend to live in his basement, having promised to disciple us. A few months went by. We hadn't read a book together. We hadn't filled any worksheets together. We hadn't done any discipleship. And so we confronted Buddy on that and said, Man, when are you going to begin to disciple us? And Buddy said, Didn't I take you to Waffle House last week? Didn't I wake you up in the middle of the night? that family that was in crisis? Discipleship is about relationship. And we need people walking alongside of us in relationship, teaching us how to walk in the ways of Jesus, and God is inviting you to engage with others so they can learn, you can learn together what it means to follow Jesus. There is a whole bunch of seventh grade punks like me, 10th grade punks like Matt Reynolds, that desperately need someone like you in their life. We show up. And some of those 10th grade punks are now 40 years old and still act like 10th grade punks. They just got better toys. (laughs) And they still need Jesus. And then again, to move from some relationship, I don't know why I'm writing this. It's like chicken scratch. It's not even like, like hieroglyphics. It's the idea of it. <laughs> if you can imagine, that is the word relationship. <laughs> and then again, from disciple to becoming disciple makers becomes again about message, it's about training, it's about tools and resources, learning how to engage people in God's mission. And that is our passion as grace. This new space, we love it, and I love worshiping together on Sunday mornings. I think it's critically important that we're opening the Word together, we're taking communion together, this thing that we do on Sundays. But the real heart of this place is not just simply that it's about worshiping for an hour, but it's about creating space for us to learn how to live this Jesus thing out, to go out there to the rest of the world, to engage this world and apprentice others in the ways of Jesus. I would sacrifice everything if it means equipping and empowering you to enter into this mission. So where are you on this journey? Maybe as you're looking at that pyramid, you're saying to yourself, Man, I'm still down here. Some of you got dragged to church this morning because your wife made you come, and you're like, "Man, I'm checking out ESPN. I'm call it. I'm distracted. March badness." Some of you, I'm just. I'm still asking questions about Jesus. I don't know about this whole Christianity thing, and that's okay. I want to enjoy, engage in this journey with you wherever you are. But there's some of you that've been sitting here for a whole long time. And your whole orbit has been going back and forth between here and there. I do love Jesus. I guess I need to learn a little bit more about Jesus. I do love Jesus. I guess I need to learn a little bit more about Jesus. And God's like, get off your fanny and just get in the freaking game. Go talk to somebody. Go mentor somebody. Go take on a seventh grade lug group or go work with Kids Life or go be on the working with the football team through NG3 or go mentor some kids through Team Up. Go have a conversation with your grandfather that you don't even know if they know Jesus. But you've always wondered, what would it look like for you to engage in God's mission? You know what I found in my life is that the most fun things I've ever done have always been the scariest things I've ever done. So that's why I can say this is actually really fun. And in the same breath, say, This is actually really scary. And that's okay. The only way we learn is by trying. And so, the question that we would ask, and so as we've been doing each week, just this red, yellow, green, where are you on engaged, intentionally living on mission in your unique context? Red, it's not happening at all. Yellow, I'm struggling, learning, getting there. Green, it, man, I, I love it. I have re- intentional relationships that I'm building, friendships with people that aren't yet Christians. Where are you in that? Red, yellow, green. And then the question with that would be, who are the three people? We'll end with, who are the three people in your life right now that you're praying for to come into the kingdom? Who are the three people that you are praying for in your life right now to come into the kingdom? Now, you may have honestly never thought about that question. But just think for just a minute. And if no one comes to mind, if you're like, I don't know, everyone I know is a follower of Jesus. They may begin to pray, God, will you bring some people into my life? Will you put me in some places? Join a local tennis team or go to play golf or whatever you might want to do? to start working with the local football team? God, will you bring some people into my life that don't know you yet? And God, how would you use my life to begin to reveal your love and grace to others? And I would encourage you this week, I mean, to spend some time thinking about this. Like, what... Where am I on this journey, and where am I in, in walking with others on this journey? But to write down, to find, ask, pray, Lord, who are the three people that I'm intentionally praying for, and start to pray for them. Write on your mirror in your bathroom. Keep it in front of you. My hope is this, that at Easter next year, that when we're baptizing people on Easter morning, story after story after story of the people that were baptizing into new faith in Christ, are because you invited them over for barbecue. Because you showed up on their practice field. Because you got involved in their lives. Or you're already involved in their lives and you began to have some real honest conversations. In fact, I'm not just hoping for it, I'm expecting it. I know it. If this many people just started simply praying, Lord Jesus, Here's the three names. God, bring them into your kingdom. Reveal your love and grace and use me however you want to. Twelve dudes and a handful of women turned this world upside down. What could Monroe look like? Thanks for listening. Once again, our mission at Grace Monroe is to pursue God's heart for the restoration of all things. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, go to graceformonroe.com slash connect. Also, if you felt blessed by our ministry and want to partner with us financially, everything you need to know about giving is online at graceformonroe.com slash give. We hope you have a wonderful week. Be blessed.